Welcome to For the Love Podcast with best-selling author Jen Hatmaker. Come on in and join us for a chat with Jen and friends about all the things we love. Now, here's Jen. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, everybody. It's Jen Hatmaker. Welcome to the For the Love Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Um, I'm glad you're here every week. Thank you guys for, I mean, just logging in here week after week after week. Um, It's so fun to hear from you and to have you with me. So listen, today is like a hap, hap, happy day because we're kicking off the next series. And if you know anything about me, then you know that I'm thrilled because our next series is for the love of food. Food's like my favorite thing. It's my it's my favorite thing in the world. It's my favorite thing to eat, to cook, to make, to share, and to talk about. So we have such a phenomenal lineup for this series. You're going to be so tickled. Um, you already know and love tons of these people. And so I'm, I'm like standing on my tiptoes, excited to bring you our conversations that were just so full of life and laughter and love and joy. Um, I really, really think you're going to enjoy this series. And my first guest is... So delightful, so charming, so wonderful, so dear. Um, And I can't wait for you to hear our conversation, which is coming up in a minute. But first, before I introduce you to our first guest in the series, I'm thrilled to bring you a quick little conversation with somebody who has become very precious to us at the podcast. So her name is Jenny Metcher. And when we first started this thing, we I sort of put out to the world, hey, Hey, we need a logo. What do you guys think about logos? Who does logos? Who's good at this? Who, who thinks they can pull off a logo that's going to fit this podcast? And literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people submitted um, logos. And out of all of them, Jenny's was our very favorite. Jenny's was your very favorite. We all voted on him. And so the darling graphic that you see every time you pull this podcast up, that's Jenny's handiwork. And she is so talented and so gifted. And I wanted you to meet her because she's special to us. And so before we jump into our first um, guest, I want to introduce you to Jenny. And we talked for a few minutes about what she does and where she's at and where you can find her beautiful work. So have a quick listen to me and my chat with Jenny. Jenny, I am, I'm just, I'm beyond delighted to have you on today. (laughs) Thank you for joining me. Of course. So everybody, listen, here's Jenny's deal. So Jenny lives in Chicago with her husband, Kyle, and her darling little girls, two of them, right? What are their names? Charlotte and Evelyn. And how old are they? Seven and four. Okay. So you're in it, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're like, you're in the weeds. (laughs) That is the (laughs) thick of it right there. Um, So Jenny has her own hand lettering and calligraphy site um, shop on Etsy called Three Letter Birds. And she sells paper goods and home decor and other gifts and just these gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous prints. And so here is how my world intersected with Jenny's. Uh, When we were developing this podcast, the For the Love podcast, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about what's a what sort of logo do we want to have? Sort of how do we want to brand it? What kind of graphic? Um, I have known for some time that my online tribe is crazy talented, incredibly diverse, really interesting, smart, gifted. So I thought, let me just put it out. Let me just see if anybody has any ideas. So I sort of put out this 
who wants to design the, the podcast logo? And we got, I don't even know, Jenny, if you even remember how many, <laughs> I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of submissions yeah. um, on logos. And it was really, really overwhelming. And my team was like, whoa. And so we narrowed it down to the top 10. Uh, and then my, my audience, my tribe chose their absolute favorite design and resoundingly they voted for Jenny's logo. So it's so perfect. I'm still so in love with it. I look at it all the time. I mean, you nailed it from the feather earrings to the aviators and the messy bun. It literally looks like me. Um, your graphic had it all. Thank you. Thank you for making such a darling, darling logo for me. I love it. Good. It was so fun. Have you ever done anything like this before? Have you ever entered a contest with your work or anything? Oh my gosh, no. And this was like so out of character for me. I just, you posted that and it was like a divine moment almost. Like I, it, like the image just popped into my head and I was like, I I have a logo. Like I have to make this. And I was like, we were leaving for vacation to go to rural Michigan the next day. And so, (laughs) and so I was literally shaking and just doing it as fast as I could. Yeah, it was crazy. I don't do stuff like that. That ever. is so crazy. I didn't even know that. <laughs> I, know. I didn't know that yes. part. I knew that you were going on vacation because yes. we we sort of selected your design that week. And my assistant, Amanda, was like, well, we really can't get a hold of Jenny because she's completely off the grid. <laughs> she's like in the mountains or something. Um, and so I didn't know that. That is even more special to me. I mean, really, yes. I can see that when I look at it. I'm like, you know what? She had an eye for it and she nailed it. It's amazing. So I want everybody like listening in. First of all, we're going to have all this linked on the transcript and over my website. Cause you're definitely, definitely going to want to see what she does. You're, you're really, really good. Like, uh, anybody who's a fellow parenthood fan, as you know, that I am, you have a darling print <laughs> from the lyrics from the theme song, Bob Dylan's forever young. Everyone's going to want to see that. Did you know that I have that like a whole huge portion of one of the verses and the chorus lettered on my entry wall, <laughs> like from ceiling to that. floor. I saw that post. I did know that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, so I see your design and I'm like, need, want, take my money. Um, <laughs> you also did a print a while back from something that I wrote to teachers a couple of years ago. I told teachers in a blog post, I said, I wish I could whisk you away to France, the beach yes. and the mountains and Californian <laughs> cruise ships and Spain where there are no students, but lots and lots of bread <laughs> products and cheese. <laughs> yes. It's so good. It's you made so my good. words look really pretty. What made you start <laughs> Have you always just been artistic? Like, is this your background? Can you talk a little bit about how you got into this and then ultimately even how you sort of built Three Letter Birds? Yes, I would love to. I I have always been artistic and creative. I do not have an art degree. Mm-hmm. I've never been to art school. I took art classes in high school, mm-hmm. but I have an education degree that I've never used. Mm, same. Um, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So I have always been artistic and I've especially always loved lettering and typography, but never, I mean, I used to say out loud all the time, like, God, I wish I could find a way to get paid for this, yeah. but that's like, people don't pay people to do that. Right. Obviously. So I just always <laughs> gave it up, you know? And then, um, I was having like a particularly hard few years when my kids were super young and not in school yet. And my husband, um, was still in seminary and I was home with my little girls and I just felt like I was drowning. Yes. And, I, um, 
I had some friend. Actually, part of that story is that um, was because of the Enneagram, which I heard that you just recently discovered. No way. <laughs> yes. Like, how did that factor into your story? Yes, exactly. Um, so my husband took the Enneagram because he was in seminary, and then he had we. I wanted to take it, and I discovered that I was a four, which yeah. is the artist. Yeah. And um, I always felt artsy, but for some reason that just sort of empowered me to embrace my creative side more. Yeah. And so that sort of propelled me. I had some friends who had um, been doing calligraphy and they were posting pictures on Instagram. And I just thought, oh my God, that is like, that's like my dream. Mm -hmm. I want to know how to do that. And so I bought a book and just taught myself essentially from the book. And I fell in love, like some, whatever it was about it. I just thought, I want to find a way to do this for the rest of my life. I don't ever want to stop writing pretty words. Okay. That's making me like smile from ear to ear. (laughs) You found it. You found your lane. It was a really beautiful year in my life. My husband always says that he like watched me come to life that year. Hmm. <laughs> so so you I just started out like just writing on computer paper. And so Correct. how did that develop into an entire shop? Yes, that's a great question. Um, I kind of know and I kind of have no idea. Uh-huh. I was like I just doing it. Yeah, I was kind of just like doing it all the time because I loved it. Like every time I had free time, I would sit down and do calligraphy and practice and come up with designs in my head. And just after a few months, like, again, this is like totally not in my personality to take risks like this, but something just made me feel like I should put it out there and wanted to start a shop. I actually had never been or shopped on Etsy before ever. Oh and I God. just, I know. And so I just, I don't know what came over me, but I decided to just start a shop. Yeah. And it was super, super terrifying. Oh, the day right. that I launched my shop and was like, I have an Etsy shop and I'm putting my art out there for all of you to look at and maybe say things about. It was terrifying. Totally. You know, I yes. understand this deeply. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm a creative in a different way with words. Um, but when you, when you put that out, when you put your work out there, it's so deeply tied to, to who you are and what you care about. It's just incredibly vulnerable. Um, yes, to do that yes. and risky. Um, but your, your stuff really caught traction, right? Did it take, how long did it take for this to sort of really start developing roots? It was really like slow and steady. And, mm-hmm. and the first year that felt sort of frustrating. It felt like I wanted to have this moment where like I posted the one beautiful thing on Instagram and all of a sudden, like Oprah bought it, it sold out. Right. Yeah. But that never happened. Um, but that turned out to be fine. It was just really slow and steady, a lot of hard work, a lot of just figuring things out on my own. And I feel much more proud of that now than if it had been just like a fluky overnight thing. I really appreciate you saying that. Not enough people say that. Um, I think we're always (laughs) looking for the flashy and the overnight success and the viral sensation, but that's not really how most of real life plays out. You know, people ask me that a lot too. And I have to remind Mm -hmm. them that I wrote essentially out of the 12 books I've written, uh, I wrote Mm -hmm. nine that nobody ever read. (laughs) I mean, nobody, (laughs) like not my mom. And so it was just a lot of hard work. It was a lot of hard work kind of over in a corner and none of it was a commercial success. Absolutely none. Um, but I don't regret any of it. It was slow and I learned and, uh, learned my craft. And I I hope women are encouraged by hearing you say that, that there's something healthy and noble about just putting your head down, doing the hard Mm -hmm. work. If for nothing else, the love of it at first. Right. Yeah. That's yes. There's no shame in that. So 
I'm listening to you. So women make up the vast majority of my audience, like 95% of my audience as a writer. Mm -hmm. And I love it. I love them. I love Mm -hmm. writing Mm -hmm. for them and speaking to them. And, and so it's, you've got a similar passion for encouraging and empowering other women through your Mm -hmm. work. Your, your designs in your shop are really sincerely beautiful. You've got quotes from Malala, who of course we love and from the golden girls (laughs) (laughs) lyrics by Joni Mitchell. Like, um, Mm -hmm. I think my favorite, and I want to read it if you don't mind to our listeners has to be the, this benediction to women and you have a print Mm -hmm. And uh, this is what it says, listeners, because some of you are going to want to immediately buy this and put it on your wall. It says, (laughs) may the God of Eve teach you to dance. May the God of Hagar bring you comfort in the desert. May the God of Miriam bring companions to you when you struggle. Oh, it's making me want to cry. May the God (laughs) of Deborah teach you courage for your battles. May the Christ who knew Mary and Martha show you the way of balance. May the Christ who healed the bent over woman heal your pain. May the Christ of Mary Magdala send you out to proclaim your story in the name of Christ, who is the memory, hope, and authority of the future. Like I could just cry my eyes out. That's so gorgeous. (laughs) Thank you for lettering it and making it something so beautiful that we can. I just think words are powerful, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I think they carry great meaning and great weight. Uh, We have words all over our walls everywhere um, because I think they are sort of a beacon that daily tell us what we care about and how to live and what we value. And they keep us attuned to our true north, um, which is why I love your work. What, What in you, what in your story, what in your history, what in your heart has, mm-hmm. has driven you to, to love and care for women like this, to be an inspiration to them and empower them. Yeah. I think that part of my story of, um, just feeling so like lost at sea for a few years. And I, I think that there are a lot of, I, I'm sure there are a lot of women who they don't feel lost at sea staying home with their children. Mm-hmm. But I was not one of those people. That was really difficult for me. Yeah. I needed I needed more of a balance of like some other purpose plus raising my daughters. And so I feel like particularly passionate about that, about women who just feel called to something a little more. Mm. And that I guess that was just really meaningful to me in that time to find to find something in that season because that felt so hard for me. And I, I just kept feeling so much like, what is wrong with me? I feel like I'm supposed to love this. Yes. I feel like this is, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I, so, um, again, I wish we had more time because I wish that was something <laughs> more women would talk about um, mm-hmm. for women who sort of made that choice in those years um, and how mm-hmm. absolutely hard and isolating and lonely it could be. Yes, um, yes. I go so far as to say for me, it was a little bit traumatic. I'm not kidding. It was a little bit traumatic. I did it too. I stayed home with my kids and, um, those can be really hard years. And so I love that you use the power of words to help Mm -hmm. lift women and encourage them and draw them out. So obviously the holidays are right around the corner. Um, yes, they are. <laughs> tell everybody, cause this is sort of probably like your Camelot. This is it's gift time. Um, oh, it's yeah. time we want some beautiful <laughs> themed words around us. So what projects are you working on right now? Can you give us a little sneak peek or a little tease of what people might find in this season? Yeah. 
I have so much going on right now. I um, had been working on like a little holiday collection and that is going to launch on um, November 1st okay. and then will be available through the holidays. It's like a little collection of prints and then some new um, greeting cards. Um, yes. And then I am I'm doing a craft show in Chicago also coming up in a few weeks. Fun. So that's What's my it holiday. Called? Oh, it's an amazing show. If you're a Chicago local, it's called Show of Hands Chicago, and it's in the um, Ravenswood neighborhood. You can find if you if you Google Show of Hands Chicago, you'll find all the information that you need. Perfect. But we'll that's like usually my, one more thing that's coming up is that I um, was approached to illustrate and um, author a gratitude journal, which oh, is beautiful. crazy. I am not a writer, and it's crazy that I got to do that project. Um, and so that is going to release in the spring. It'll be available like on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and at some independent booksellers. And so if you're interested in that, just stay connected with me. You can follow me on Instagram at Three Letter Birds. Um, or if you go to my website, which is just threeletterbirds.com, and you sign up for my emails, like I'm sure I'll be talking about it all the time there. So That's so exciting. Does it have a yeah. title? Um, it's called Count Your Rainbows. Beautiful. Um, Thank you. I want to just tell you as we finish here, one more time, thank you so much for your incredible talent and that you lent it to me and to this podcast. And every time I see your logo, I am so happy. I'm just so happy. I love <laughs> thank it. You so it's, much. And I know they're going to love your stuff. So everybody um, go to the websites, um, follow Jenny on social um, and be prepared to part with some of your cash. <laughs> it's, it's just inevitable. Um, anyway, thank you for being on today. Yes, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Jenny. Thank you to Jenny Metcher. Isn't she great, you guys? So before we... And transition over to our guest, I want to tell you something really cool that Jenny has offered you, our For the Love podcast listeners. So number one, all of you listening today um, can get 20% off of anything in Jenny's Etsy store. So boom, that's awesome. And so here's what I'm going to do because there's two things. Number one, you've got the 20% off any item that you buy. Number two, Jenny has agreed to do an amazing giveaway to one lucky winner um, out of our awesome tribe of listeners. So over on my Facebook page at jenhatmaker.com, I'm going to post the link to this podcast. And so in it, you'll have all the information you need to access Jenny's um, website with your code. I'll also have this over on my website, by the way, if you're not sure where to find it or if you lose it in the Facebook scrolls, I'll have it on jenhatmaker.com as well. But on the Facebook post underneath this link, if you will do this one simple thing, you will be entered for the giveaway and the giveaway is going to be so sweet. If you will go in to iTunes underneath this podcast and give us a review. And it can be honest, whatever you think of it. But if you'll post a review under our, our podcast um, page, and then just take a quick screenshot of it, just screenshot it on your computer or on your phone, wherever you want, um, post that screenshot in the comment section on my Facebook page underneath the link to this podcast, and boom, you're entered. That's it. Simple as that. Um, so basically, a podcast review enters you into this amazing giveaway, and it could not possibly be simpler. For those of you who have already posted a review, number one, thank you. Number two, just go in and screenshot the review you've already posted. That counts too. 
that enters you as well. So um, hundreds of you have already reviewed and that means you're entered. All you need to do is screenshot it and post it up over there on my Facebook page. So thank you so much to Jenny for your generosity yet again to this podcast. She is like a friend for life. Okay, you guys, I am so ready to introduce you to the first guest in the For the Love of Food series. This girl I just love her. If you don't already know her, you are about to love her. So I'm thrilled to have on today, Artie Sequera. Oh, you guys, Artie. Um, Artie's, she's probably best known as the winner of, uh, it's on the sixth season of, of the Food Network's show, Next Food Network Star. So the winner, the tip top winner. Uh, and that sort of began her journey sharing her very signature, like America's favorites with Indian soul, um, brand of cooking. I mean, this girl and her stuff, it's so amazing. So, um, she's been a foodie most of her life, but she was a journalist, um, by education and trade. And we're going to talk about that a little bit in our interview. So her show called Artie Party, hello, Artie Party, best uh, title of a food show ever, um, premiered on the Food Network in 2010. Um, I loved it. I'm sure you watched it. So on her um, series, she constantly shares her point of view and her culinary expertise and just her charm. Um, And so now she has uh, another cooking show called Taste in Translation. And she's, she's looking for the most popular dishes from all around the world. She's so interesting. She's got an interesting background, interesting childhood, um, gorgeous family. And she's just a delight, like all the way around. Not only is her food amazing, but she is. So um, I was thrilled to have her, thrilled that she said yes to this podcast, and I cannot wait for you to meet her. So please enjoy my conversation with my friend, Artie. Okay, so without further ado, Welcome to my friend, Artie. Hey, I'm Yay, so happy you're on today. Me too. <laughs> listen, everybody listening, I want you to know that um, how and when I met Artie. Uh, mm-hmm. We met, let's see, was this two years ago, Artie? Yeah, probably. probably. Yeah. We met on, we met on the Today Show. Yeah, we were both on the Today Show on the same mm-hmm. day, mm-hmm. and our segments were a few minutes apart, and I had already been like a monstrous fan of you. Which and is so, so crazy. So it's not crazy. crazy. Who isn't? <laughs> We're all just in line. So and crazy. so you come in to hair and makeup and you're already done. So you're looking yes. beautiful for your segment. <laughs> I have zero makeup on. I don't, I hadn't, nobody had helped me yet. I was still a before picture. And... <laughs> I think I accosted you, and I'm sorry. I didn't know you were going to be there. It was so exciting for me. No, because I think that I was following you on Twitter the day before, and I was like, oh, my goodness, Jen Hatmaker is at Anthropology right now. I can see Anthropology from my window. That's right. I should go over there, and then I was like, that's creepy. That's too creepy. That's right. That's so funny. I don't know if you know this, but that was the very first time that I had done the Today Show. Was and it? I, yes. And I was so nervous about it because, you know, this for people who don't know, like this whole cooking thing, this Food Network hosting thing is a second career for me. And it's something that came completely yeah. out of left field. And so um, I don't have a lot of really strong, like, plans for it. But one uh-huh. thing that I knew would mean I'd made it is if I did the Today Show for of some course. reason. Of course. And so... Um, 
I remember that I had actually pitched myself to them twice and they had said no. Uh-huh. And then out of the blue, they called me and I was like, oh, of course, this is how it happens. Right. And so I was so nervous about it. And then I found out that like Matt Lauer was going to do my segment. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Right. And then I saw me. you and that like just set the tone for the whole thing because I was like, my sister's here. Yes, you know, it, and like it just that. it just made me feel like okay, I can do this. And then I killed that segment, and I made Matt Lauer laugh, and I made Al Roker yes. rethink taking another bite of my food because I told him I'd licked his plate. <laughs> <laughs> That's outstanding. I know that I is amazing. That. Like was... getting Matt to laugh. What? That's goals right there. It's gold. I know. Uh-huh. He's very serious. Yes. He's a very. Did serious you? What do you? Man. Do you remember what you cooked? What you cook? Um, I don't remember the first thing, but the second thing was, um, it's actually a great recipe for this time of year as uh, we move out of summer. It's a tomato salad that's really simple. It's just the thing is that you have to use excellent tomatoes. Oh, yes. Um, So super ripe tomatoes, nice creamy feta, Mm -hmm. um, big like handfuls of mint that you smack before you throw into the bowl because that's how you release their oils and then just olive oil and lemon juice and salt and pepper and that is it and it is so good the combination of the lemon the mint and the feta is so good that um there's always like the juice at the bottom of the bowl Mm. from the tomatoes at the end and i will stand there and i will drink it and that's what I said on the show. And Al Roker was like, you drink it like at the table. And I was like, yeah. And then I licked your plate, too. And that was the big joke. So let me tell you why I absolutely know this. And I remember this because as you were speaking, I am just now recalling the creepiest thing that I did that day. And it was after our segments were both done. And we're finished. So you and I are both about to just kind of head out on the plaza and go back to life. And yeah. you had your leftovers from your segment in your hand. And I took That's them. Right. I took That's your food. Right. I remember. What kind of weirdo does that? I mean, it's like, is that the food that you made? And you said yeah. yes. And I don't think, I mean, what were you supposed to do? You offered it to me because I was just staring at it like a little hungry beggar. <laughs> And you gave it to me, and I ate it in my hotel room that night, and it was indeed delicious. Oh, good. I'm so glad that it was good. Well, I am just so flattered when – because people are – like, people can be a little bit weird about taking food, and I think it's because it's a very – it is. Like, sharing food with someone is a very intimate thing to do. Um, It is. It's so funny. It's like, but short of actually kissing someone on the lips – I think breaking bread with someone is as intimate as it gets yes. in a certain way, or maybe hugging. Yes, but, I would love you, that. Yeah, but you know, that's why, like, because my husband's a hugger, like, he will meet a stranger and hug them, and it feels very weird. But I'm like, oh, you know, maybe if you shared some food with them, like, give them a stick of gum first. Maybe it won't feel so weird to people. But so when you said that you would take the food, I was like, oh my gosh, I just offered you my heart, and you said, okay, yes, I will take that and okay, it felt that I, is precious yes and that was so I'm so glad that you said yes because if you had said no I think part of me would have been like oh I guess we're not friends so I'm glad oh. that you took it <laughs> well if me, if me eating your food means that we can become better and better friends I'm um, yes. sign me up like yes, just sign girl. me. Where yes. where are you going next? I will <laughs> I will come and I will find you. So listen, just for people who are new to you who are listening, yes. can you just kind of 
35,000 foot view for the listeners. Just tell kind of a bit about you and your yes. your life and your kind of the arc of your sure. story and where sure. you're at now and all that. And then we'll get back and dive into sort of your like random surprising world in food. <laughs> okay. Um, so people always want to know where I'm from because of my accent. So I'll just start there. I was born on the 19th of August um, in, in India. Yes. And um, yes. at that time, my parents were actually had moved had migrated to uh immigrated sorry to dubai in the middle east (laughs) and um so that's where i grew up i grew up in the middle east until i was like 18 and my dad god bless him had always said you know when it's time for you to go to university you are going and you are going to go to america because that is the place where you can they will welcome you and you can make something of yourself Um, which is weird because I came up through the British system which is why I have this accent the school Mm -hmm. that I went to is all British and stuff Um, and then so yeah so I I came to America in 1996 and all Mm -hmm. I wanted to do was um, be a journalist be Christian Amanpour and then somehow I was going to transition that into being Oprah nice (laughs) segue you just sort out the details later yeah, just I just put it on I paper just, and we'll figure it out. Yeah, just set up the goalposts and I'd, sure. get, my, I'd get my way over there. I so, like it. Yeah, so then um, I went to Northwestern and I did my yeah. journalism degree. And then I got a job straight out of school working at CNN. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm bonkers. halfway there. Yeah, bonkers. Yes. Literally bonkers. I didn't have to try at all. Mm. And... Um, and I loved it and it was great. And then I got, you know, that was in Chicago and then I moved to New York. And this whole time on the second day of New Student Week, I met this man, <clears throat> this boy, boy man named Brendan, who mm-hmm. lived in the same dorm as me. And we, that was it. We were sw- smitten with That's each it. other. So we've been together. He's now my husband and the father of my children. Um, yes. And so we've been together since for what 21 years and he is an actor so when he graduated he came to LA and when I graduated I stayed in Chicago then moved to New York so we were doing this long distance thing oh yeah um which is great and horrible right Mm -hmm. so um then when we when we finally got married I moved to LA and that's when everything started unraveling so it was very Mm -hmm. funny because I thought getting married was going was the sort of you know, one of the pinnacles of life. And I wanted to be married to Bren so badly. And I also really wanted desperately to be in the same city as him. Yeah, and, so it's not too much to ask. Is it, is it crazy? And, you know, so I finally right. get those things. And that's when my career just completely unraveled. And I couldn't find work. How so? Well, because I just thought that, okay, well, I'm going to move to L.A. I work really hard. I was doing pretty well at CNN, and I thought, I'll just keep working for CNN. But right Mm -hmm. around that time was when um, the entire news business was shrinking because Mm -hmm. there was – there was just so much competition for the eyeballs, you know, and Fox had come around, and then Mm -hmm. MSNBC had come around and all this stuff. So I couldn't work at CNN, and I was trying to get other news jobs, and – nothing was happening. And also, truth Mm -hmm. be told, my own hustle was kind of withering too. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't feel like I really wanted to try that hard for it. And that made me feel really crappy because I Mm -hmm. thought my parents have spent all this money on my university. In the Indian community, you know, we are a community of overachievers and um, 
as it was, I had already chosen a line of work that was out of the ordinary. I wasn't a doctor or an accountant oh, or a lawyer yeah. or an engineer, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so I really felt a lot of pressure because I was like, I'm failing, failing, failing. Mm. And How were your has... parents during that time? Were they nervously hovering around or did, were they supportive? They were nervous, but they were mm -hmm. trying not to put any pressure on me. And yeah. then simultaneously... Um, there was a lot of financial pressure coming down on my dad. So mm. they were kind of so busy taking care of their end of things that I didn't feel that much, but I felt this internal pressure. Of course. Um, and, you know, and the other reason is that I was like, the, ostensibly, I could work in news anywhere. And so that's why I had moved to L.A. Yeah. So that Bren could quit his boring production job and he could really pursue his acting dreams. I desperately wanted to be that for him, you know. Yes, and, and he looks like this, like, adorable, scrappy, scruffy surfer. Like, he's just, he just, yes. he's made for the screen. Like, he he's is just made, made for the it. screen. Yes. Well, and it's very funny because, you know, the other night I was looking through one of these picture books with Moses, my uh, two-year-old girl, and there's a little drawing of Jesus. And I said, who's that? And she said, Dada. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> That's so excellent. He does kind of look like a, a cool California Jesus. He does. And then yes. actually one of my friends one time, you know, he was like, she was getting irritated at him and he was looking at her with like love in his face. And she was like, don't Jesus me right now. <laughs> so great. He's like, so, I will do it whenever I like. Thank you. Seriously. Like you're not my boss, kid. Yeah. Um, Anyway, this sorry, so back to the interesting. story. So you're so it's so at the same time that your career in journalism is struggling and you're even struggling internal yeah. or internally with it, there's something in you that, that's drawn toward food. So can you like mm -hmm. do a, the parallel path there? Just yeah. tell us about f just essentially the role of food in your life, why that was even any pavement that you could lay. Well, um, that's a really good question. I So I have always been chubby. I was 10 pounds when I was born. And the reason I bring it up is because food has always been my best friend. Mm -hmm. And um, and I went through a long period of not having any friends. Like I was definitely like social outcast for a long mm -hmm. time. And, um, and so I would eat, you know, mm -hmm. I would eat and um, I would bake because my mom wouldn't keep any cookies or mm -hmm. anything like that in the house. So I was like, dang it, I will well, make them. I'll make them. Yep. Um, so I baked a lot. And so food was always there. And my family is food obsessed. You know what I mean? They plan okay. every meal yep. and everything. So it was always in the background. And so, but I never cooked because I um, was so focused on school and mm -hmm. getting a job and the whole thing. So when that all evaporated, I just turned back to my best friend. And I went into the kitchen and my friend had given me for uh, a wedding present, the joy of sex and the yeah. joy of cooking, which yeah. I think is a brilliant present. Uh, my mom and... had all of those. I read them like in my bedroom at night. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I just started flipping through the joy of cooking. And because, of course, I knew everything that there was in Joy of Sex. Sure, clearly. <laughs> of course. Right. And um, I just started making stuff. And I didn't know mm. how to drive. And I would walk to the store, which in L.A. is crazy. It's like a 20-minute yeah. walk. Uh, go get everything and then walk back. And by the time my husband came home from work, then there would be a meal on the table. Okay. And really, it was him. He realized how much joy I was getting out of it. And I was watching a lot of Food Network, too. And he got me a gift certificate to a, a cooking school in the neighborhood that I 
could walk to. And that kind of okay. set it all going. Okay. Um, because I was getting so into that and then interning at a restaurant that I now at a certain point I had these dueling interests. Mm. I would go and because um, I would freelance at CNN, they would call me every now and then. And then, you know, on the weekends, I'd go and intern at the restaurant and make tomato salads until the sun mm. came up, uh, you know, mm. sun came up. So it was hard. I was trying to really figure out, well, I feel these tugs in two different directions. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then someone said to me, one of my, one of my friends said, um, uh, my friend Talika said, you know, you should just shoot a cooking show. Mm-hmm. You should shoot a cooking show because she would come over and, you know, we would cook and drink wine and stuff. She's like, this uh-huh. is this is awesome. And that's what started the whole thing. I made a YouTube cooking show and I sort of felt like I could meld my sort of news reporter sure. background with this cooking background. And we would do it on the weekends and I taught myself how to edit through it. And yeah. so I always say to people, like, do your nine to five during the Mm. week, but then work on your passion on the weekends. It's good. Until that, until the weekend is not enough time to work on your passion, then it's time to switch. That's great advice. So you probably, I mean, at that point, it had to be at least a a medium ratchet operation. I mean, you're just in your kitchen with a camera, right? I mean, we're not talking about... You know, when people, so many people want to, they they have these little cravings inside of them, like you're describing so beautifully, but just think, you know, if I can't start at the top, if I can't start, if if my beginning doesn't look like somebody else's middle or end, um, then why bother? But that's just not true for any of us, right? I mean, you probably just put something on a tripod. I know. And, you know, it's so funny because the what had happened first was that I'd started blogging. And it's funny because I was listening to your interview with Lovey and I, I completely heard her and related uh-huh. to her when it was like, in the beginning, it was about writing. Yeah. And for me, because I was so lost in that period, it helped me see the things that were important to me. You know, and mm. food was this huge part of what I was doing. And um and so that's kind of what gave birth to to doing this. And, and you know, we tried shooting a pilot because, my you know, my husband grew up sure. in production and stuff. Yeah. So he was like, let's shoot a pilot. And I was like, okay, we had two cameras. We had 10 people sitting outside waiting for the roast chicken on a 100-degree day. Great choice. And, you know, and one of the camera guys I only found out later, I made a butterfly roast chicken. Uh-huh. Um, he's vegetarian. Of course he was. he was doing the tight shots of me cutting through the backbone. <laughs> which is, of course, perfect. But we gave it to our friend to edit, Uh and it just sat there. It was so much footage. It sat there for so long that I just got got so frustrated one day, and I said, I'm making baba ganoush. I'm putting some eyeliner on, and I'm going to pick up this camera, and I'm going to aim it at myself, and I'm just going to shoot it. Just that simple. Just that simple. And I got to a point where I needed both hands. I hadn't thought this through, people. Okay. (laughs) Again, you don't need to plan it. It, I needed both hands. And my friend Karen happened to walk in the door just at that moment. And I was like, Karen, can you hold the camera while I skin this eggplant? And you can see it's the very first episode of Artie Party on YouTube. And you can see it all of a sudden. uh, Someone else is holding the camera. And I'm like, hey, Karen. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how it started, you know. And I, it's so funny because I am definitely a prerequisiter, you know, even in, in like daily life, like I can't get started until I make a cup of tea and I can't make a cup Uh, of tea until the sink is completely clean. And, Uh but you know, I just feel like God keeps trying to show me, you don't need to get it perfect, hon. You just need to step forward. Totally. And I will come and I have your back. 
I love that. I uh, I heard a really great teacher one time talking about um, two different opportunities to have sort of a clear path in front of you. Like, and he was using a biblical example saying, sometimes, you know, it's like when Moses um, spread his arms and the sea just parted in front of him. He didn't have to do anything. But mm-hmm. sometimes like over in the Jordan, he had to get in. He had to step yeah. in first. He didn't, he didn't get the luxury of just standing on the shore and saying, let's hope this yeah. part. He had to be up to his waist in it yeah. um, before a path emerged. And I think yeah. that's just the case for, I'm going to say most of us, yeah. as we move yeah. into dreams and new ideas and yeah. new ventures. And you just hand the phone to Karen and you're like, just video me. Just Try video to be me. Still. I know. Yeah, I know. And it's so funny because after that, my husband was like, why did you not ask me to do it? And I thought, I said, well, I just thought you were busy. And he goes, no, I, it really hurt my feelings, actually, that you didn't ask me. Bless. And so then we started doing it together and it sort of, then it transformed into a cooking variety show. And so, you know, it's, I, I completely agree. Like sometimes, like I say to my kids, sometimes I'm just like, just pick one. Just pick yeah. one. It doesn't matter. Just pick one. Totally. And then we can make something out of that. But um, I think sometimes we can, it's that paralysis by analysis kind of thing. And yep. you listen to so many podcasts about how to brand yourself and how to do this and mm-hmm. how to do that. It's just like, just do it. Just start doing it and you right. will learn along the way. And, you know, and making mistakes along the way is the only way you actually truly will learn how to do this thing. It's so true. And you just might as well go ahead and make your piece that the Mm -hmm. very beginning is probably going to be garbage. Like you're going to look back on it and go, holy mother. I put that on the internet. But (laughs) what else are we supposed to do? You have to start somewhere. So, so of course, you're calling this arty party because of course you are. There was never not going to be a way you could not call this arty party. (laughs) There was no second place for this name. It's funny because I grew up being called arty farty and, you know, things like that. And I, um, one day, again, this is how food figures in my life. Of course, I end up marrying a man who is just as obsessed as I am. Uh So for Valentine's Day, we treat ourselves to a pint of Ben and Jerry's each yes. and we're sitting there at the lakefront eating ice cream on a wicked cold day and he's saying you know if you could have your own ice cream flavor what would be in it and I was talking about it and then he says what would you call it and I'm like I don't know and he goes you would call it arty party duh and I was like right. that is the cheesiest dumbest name <laughs> I've it. ever heard I thought it was so dumb and then when we started this cooking show that's what it and then it just stuck you know and it's so funny because people are like oh do you like are you a party person like do you love Uh and I I love people and I love socializing I love having people over at my house Uh but it's not in the way that people think of like uh-huh. I will have people over to my house and I'll be like, the glasses are in that cabinet over there. Totally. Me too. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I like is when I go to someone's house and they're like, just make yourself at home. Me you too. Can, you know what I mean? And that's my brand of hospitality. Put your feet on the exactly. couch. Yeah. I just, I want to feel like I can just really be myself. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I also really like just being at home. Me too. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and then someone else asked me if party was my actual last name. <laughs> oh, come on, people. <laughs> dig deeper. Like, dig deeper. You've got to do better. I know. Hey, guys, just a quick break. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. 
just want to tell you one quick little offer um, that our friends over at audible.com have for you, my listeners. So this is what Audible's offering you, a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial, just to give you the chance to check out their services. If you don't already love them, they're amazing. Um, you're going to love Audible. You can get a free audiobook just for trying it out. You can check out my books over there if you want them. I recorded them both myself. It's like me reading to you. You could listen to the last one, which is For the Love, or the latest one, which is of Mess and Moxie. And if not those, there are so many other titles available over there. Um, and you could listen to any one of them for free. So here's what you do. To download your free audiobook today, you just go to audibletrial.com backslash hatmaker. That's simple. Audible trial dot com backslash hatmaker for your free audiobook. Hope you love it. Talk to us about the line between sort of the online series that you are mm-hmm. developing on your own and then your mm-hmm. audition of Next Food Network Star, because that's a pretty big jump. Yeah. Uh, so a couple of friends from way different parts of my life um, said to me, you know what, there's a show called next food network star and mm-hmm. you should try out for it and i was like i've watched about 10 minutes of that show mm-hmm. and i turned it off because it gave me such heart palpitations <laughs> i just was like throwing up throwing up in my heart and <laughs> um, just a nightmare it, it, it feels yeah. like a legit nightmare it's horrible, uh-huh. horrible, yes. you know, and I just thought, why would i do that when i already feel like such a failure mm. why would i then go mm-hmm. on this national medium and say hey look at me fail even more you know um and then but i i it was i just did not feel like i could say no i had this feeling like i felt god saying not saying but just this push yes it was an invitation on my back push you know like you got to do this you got to do it uh-huh. the, there is something so good for you on the other side of this you got to do it i know that feeling and um yeah it's just like you know i think that sometimes we sort of give ourselves such a hard time for not doing the hard things mm. and i think there is something to pushing yourself absolutely but there are definitely moments in my life where i have felt like i just could not say no mm-hmm I couldn't say no. Like God was pushing so hard that I was like, if I say no to you, I just don't know what's on the other side of that. No. So I'm not even going to try it. I'm just going to say yes, because I just don't. It's so clear. It's so clear. It's so clear. And um, so this was one of those. And I remember that when the the car service was so I, you know, I they do like in-person uh, auditions and then they do taped ones. Okay. And Bren was like, you're too good for the in-person. <laughs> oh um, let's just make this video and send it in. Okay. And I was like, okay. So we made the video and I made strawberry basil lussie, okay. I think. And just talked out my butt for three minutes. Sure. I didn't even know what I was saying. And then I sent it. And then I still remember like a few weeks later, I was sitting and I was reading um, uh, the 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 outlander books the phone rang and it was a 917 number a new york number oh. and i was like i'm not going to pick totally. not, i know what that is and i'm not picking right it up. and not because i thought they'd say no somewhere in my heart i was like they've said yes, yes. and i can't deal it's I too much I can't deal with it's it. too yeah, much it's too yeah. much so i listened to the then i listened to the voicemail and i was like oh my god and i started crying and what did they say at that point we want to see more or you've made it yeah 
we we really like you and we'd like you to come out to New York for the next round. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So then I went to the next round and I was so nervous. Like I just had nervous poops and the whole thing. (laughs) I can't imagine. <laughs> and I went into Chelsea Market and did the thing, and it was I wore the biggest, most obnoxious flower in my hair, uh-huh. and um, and I was like, okay, I did it, you know. And then then they called again, I guess, after that, and said, okay, we'd love to have you on. And oh. I was like, okay. And so at that point, I mean, that's just stuff just got real. So yeah. you're over in California. You have to commit how much time to the show. Um, they said six weeks uh-huh. and, um, at that point it was six weeks where you live in a house all together yeah. and there's no communication with the outside world. There's no newspaper, there's no internet, there's no TV. Really? There's no, they took our phones away. Why? Um, because they just wanted to keep you in this like zone. Yeah. Like a K bubble of like, you know, like just, we just want you to be all about the show because then they can, they, you're much more malleable at that point. And I I will say that at a certain point, um, I remember that a couple of contestants were irritated because I had my Bible and you weren't allowed to bring books. You could not bring any books, but I brought my Bible and I was like, take it from me. Uh Just go ahead and be the person that has to take it from my hands. And then we'll do it. Do you like want to be that guy who like takes someone's Bible? Who's going to be that guy? Right. Yeah, exactly. So no one took it from me and I would read it constantly looking for any word from God to help me with the next challenge, which there was none, BT dubs. (laughs) And, um, and, uh, you know, and. But my friends were so jealous of me having something oh, to read. Wow, that's so crazy. Yeah, it was really, it was really crazy. And I remember at a certain point, towards the end of the competition, I mean, you don't even know what time you're waking up. Mm. Um, you get told, or you get woken up, and then you get 45 minutes to have some breakfast, get yourself together, and go. And you don't even know what you're doing for the rest of the day. And then at the end of it all, and you know, like your heart is in your mouth yes. the whole time. You're so nervous, you're not eating. I lost like 30 pounds on that show. Are you being serious uh, yeah oh my oh, yeah. gosh I looked amazing <laughs> <laughs> and then um and then you know then you go into judging and you have these judges who are literally sitting there on a dais <sighs> looking down at you from across this long room yeah. and telling you whether you're worthy or not you know and honestly if I had not had my bible I and without Whatever the Bible, dude. If I had not had the Lord yeah. Jesus in my heart, I do, I yes. think I would have gone crazy. Yes, just because just to I keep know you I'm medium calm. Yes, uh-huh. and just to know what's to just a pers- perspective check. Yeah, that's good. You know what I mean. What was just the like hardest a, part of that show? What was the what like? What was your low moment on that show? I think my lowest moment was when. So the the. Bren had told me this even before I went on it. He was like, your story arc is going to be the little girl with no confidence because I had, mm. had none. Uh-huh. Um, with no confidence, who's going to find it by the end of the show? That's the story they're going to write for you. Wow. And I was like, yeah, probably, uh-huh. you know. And and to this day, people say, I watched that show and you were the clear front runner. And I said, well, I wish you had been in my ear because the entire time I thought that I sucked. Really? You really did? Yeah, every time, every time I thought I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose. And somehow I would manage to pull it out. Uh-huh. 
And then it got to the one of the last uh, challenges before we took a break for two weeks and then had to go to New York to finish it up. And it was the last challenge. And I still remember it was at Eva Longoria's restaurant and it was so fancy. Mm-hmm. And we had to make a dish that was based on an emotion. And these guys just knew how to get to me and play with my mind. They gave me fear. Of course. And it just did a number on me. And did I it? cooked from a place of fear. I tried to like stick a Bible verse in there to try to make it work, but it didn't work. Hmm. I just was like, yeah, I'm scared and I'm done and I'm burned out and I just want to go home. Wow. And that was probably my lowest point because I just was like, that wasn't even like, if I'm going to go out, then let me go out on like an authentic thing, not this like crappy idea that I have, you know? And um, so that was probably the lowest point. And I think I even, you know, I made an appointment with my pastor. I went to go see him when I came home. And he said, um, he said, the thing you have to, uh, he goes, here's what I'll just tell you about me. I love what I do, but I am not so attached to this that I couldn't walk away at any point. Hmm. You know, just this is what loosely. I hold Don't grip mm-hmm. it so tightly. And I think at the end there, I was gripping it so tightly that I that it was just getting in the way of any creativity totally. and any enjoyment and any joy. Mm. And um, so that's what really helped me when I went back to New York is just sort of like, this is all great and it matters, but it also does not matter. Okay. Yeah. I really love that. And I've, uh, I've worked in those conditions too, not the same scenario, but where I'm just, I'm squeezing my little thing to death and yes. it's lost all joy it's lost all creativity it's lost all Mm -hmm. life and Mm -hmm. i'm too um unhealthily attached to what is what it's going to produce what what are people going to say about it that i i'm I'm too attached to an outcome that i cannot control i know i know i hate those seasons and i they're they're visceral even as you're talking i remember i feeling like that in certain seasons of work where i just really had to lay it down for a while and come back to it when i could do it with a clean heart and like clean hands and hold it like wide open. I'll do my best here until it's not here anymore than onward. So you won the show. (laughs) So spoiler alert, you won it. It's just what happens when you let go people. It's just let it go. Were you just give you victory? Did you know, like, did you know, or were you shocked? Um, Did you feel it at that point in that, in the, I wasn't sure, honestly, on that last day, they, you know, they showed the, um, they showed we had to make these mini pilots and they played them for the judges and then the judges were deliberating for such a long time mm-hmm. and the my two you know co-competitors uh, my friends herb and tom mm-hmm. their um their pilots were so good mm-hmm. they really did a great job mm-hmm. that i thought oh my gosh i could actually lose the, lose this uh-huh. right now but i thought you know i felt there was this thing inside me that said, you know what, if I don't win this, I think I'm going to be okay. Uh, I think I'm going to be able to still do this yeah. in some way, even if I just keep doing it on YouTube, it doesn't matter. Um, but it would really be like a life changer for these guys mm. if they won. Interesting. And so part of me was sort of like, you know what, Lord, give it to them. It's okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, and then, so then when I did win, I was shocked and I felt guilty. Did you? Yeah. Hmm. I really did. It was did. Just, too, just too generous, too amazing. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. it was like, you know, it's my victory at the cost of their loss. Wow. And 
that just was too much for me. You know, it was just it was a little it was a little hard to bear. Um, of course, they were so gracious. And, they were yeah, lovely they were and lovely. so kind. And they said, you deserve it. Mm-hmm. And it's great. And we all went out for dinner afterwards. And um, they were so lovely. And, and it felt very sort of sibling lovey. I like that. Dubby. Yeah, it was it was really lovely. And I'm still in, ch- in touch with them. Are you? And um, yeah, still in oh, touch with great. them and texting and all that kind of stuff. So um, and, you know, the 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 one thing is that, like, it feels like the answer to your prayers, but it it isn't. Mm-hmm. There's always like how you think it's going to go, right. and then how it actually does go. Yeah, that's a hundred percent true. Um, right? When yeah. you think this is going to change everything, it changes some things, um, yes. but it doesn't change everything. However, in the wake of your sort of victory on that show, you got your own show on the Food Network. That's a pretty big I did. deal. I mean, that's it was a pretty huge. Big deal. Yeah, yeah, Talk it was about huge. That experience and, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I went from. Um, you know, only if like a couple of people knowing my name, mm-hmm. right, on YouTube to being this household name, and people were writing about me. There were ups and downs to that, obviously. Obviously, um, there's always going to be people that want to criticize, and yep. that's just the nature of this world. Um, but I would take that very hard. Did you? I would read every single negative oh, comment. No. And no matter how many positive comments there were, the negative ones would get me down oh, real yeah. bad. Um, but I think that's also because I've, and it's something that now, what, 10 years later, nearly 10 years later, I'm starting to realize that, like, um, I really have a hard time assessing my worth and where I am mm. without comparing myself to other people. And that has dogged me my whole life. And I just am now sort of feeling like I'm getting to a point of freedom there mm. um, because because it's really hard. My husband will be like, you cannot compare because then you're going to covet and then coveting mm. is a sin and it pulls you down. Like the thing about sins I'm starting to realize mm-hmm. is it's not just like you're doing a bad thing. It's like there are repercussions of choosing that way of acting That's right. that pull you down into the muck and mire. And then it's very hard to get out Back of it. Back to your point earlier, you know, when you just said, thank goodness I, I had Jesus in the midst of that competition because that was such an anchor. You know, I think that's one of those things where our faith is invaluable um, to retrain our minds, to think to think differently, to, to re, um, to understand our worth differently and our identity differently Mm -hmm. that, you know, not looking sideways for that value. Yes. Um, Yes. But looking up work. I mean, to me, I think that's the work of our lifetime, honestly. Yes. I mean, I think that's why it's in, I mean, when you think about someone like Paul, who, um, the apostle Paul, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, you know, and you think about him and you think about, he, I always, when I read his writing, first of all, I want to slap him and then hug him. You know what right. I mean? I was like, could you not just say that a little nicer? So <laughs> you know, but my husband loves him because he's like, he's intense. Pugnacious. Yes. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's pugnacious and intense. Yes. And, and he just sort of was like. But he, he was someone that said, you know, we have to not care about the opinion of men, right. you know, of mankind. And I was like, if Paul has to say that, okay. this man who True. ostensibly cares nothing about what people think about him, he'll go to jail yeah. over what he believes, you know, then then, of course, it's going to be something hard for me. And I'm a intrinsic people pleaser, mm. you know. Mm. So, 
that has been like the work of of my life. I'm sorry, this is a very long answer to your to question. To me, it's worth the it's worth the fight. There, it's worth the fight yeah. to hang on to that and dig deep, um, yeah. and confront it. And yeah. um, you know, I was just talking to Brene Brown uh, on this podcast a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I love. And isn't she something? Uh, you oh know, she's God. she said. Well, she said a hundred noteworthy things, but one thing she's talked about, she talked about a struggle and it could be like this one internal, you know, where we sort of battle our own demons. It could be in a relationship. It could be circumstantial, but whatever it is, she just said, everything's a season and mm-hmm. um, it will have an end if you're willing to face it. And she said, the mm-hmm. only way through it is through it. And I just thought, right. uh, I spend a great deal of energy skirting my struggles. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like propping yeah. them up or polishing them a little bit so they don't look so mm-hmm. gross um, mm-hmm. or pretending they're not happening. But yep. I think that idea of just heading straight in, straight at it yep. directly, feeling yep. it, owning it, um, offering it all up to God to change and transform us. That's it. Yeah. That's the only way through it. I think that's it. Yeah. And it's really, it's kind of, it's, he always knows the remedy. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And it's funny that like, there have been a couple, this year has been a big year of letting go of some things that I never thought I would be able to let go of. Mm. And, um, and I really, I was like, I couldn't even put a, the, put a word on the feeling in my heart. It was this lead weight that I was like, I know it's weighing me down, but letting go of it feels really, um, scary Mm. and really wrong. And I don't want to do it. And it was like, it was like my three-year-old came out, you know, Mm -hmm. I stomped my foot on the ground and I said, I'm not doing it. I'm not. Um, and it's so funny because I feel like he, I had, I had postpartum depression after my first daughter. And then when I had my second one, I was like, I'm great. Nothing's Mm. wrong. And then cut to a few months later, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know if this is postpartum depression, but this is depression. Mm. So, um, you know, I'm back on my medication and I went through this program at the church that I attend that was, it it is the sweetest, kindest, most loving thing. It's for people Mm. who pray with you and for you for like six weeks. Wow. You go in every once a week and you sit down and you talk about how you're doing and, and they pray with you for an hour and a half. And the, the healing, all the healing that I've had came through that program. Mm. And, um, it is so huge. Like I'm not ready to get off my medication, mm-hmm. but I feel like, cause for me, depression is a chemical imbalance that preys on real wounds yes. in your heart. Yes. And so until you, you kind of address those wounds, then the depression is just going to keep feeding on it. Sure. It's like, it's like, it, you know, it's like candida. It's yeah. like yeast. It's feeding. That's right. So, so, um, so now that I feel like I'm getting rid of those things, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know. My dad has depression too. Mm-hmm. So I know that it's a genetic thing. Right. But, um, but I feel like I've given that depression one less thing to feed on. Oh, and that's huge. Oh, oh, I just love yeah. that Artie. I love yeah. that. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. I, um, yeah, I'm, it, it's hopeful right now that I think the conversation around, um, depression and any sort of like mental struggle, um, yeah. and, and medication and intervention is it's on the uptick, you know, for a while it was yeah. just scary to talk about out loud and, mm-hmm. and people attached things to it that were not fair, um, that you're not trying yes. hard enough or, you know, you're not praying hard enough or, yes. you know, and so I just, I really appreciate when healthy people enter that conversation and talk really transparently about a, what, yeah. what it looks like to battle depression. Depression is a big thing for me, you both know. postpartum and sort of 
clinical regular mm-hmm. depression because I, for a long time, um, forgive me, Lord, was just so opinionated about it. Mm-hmm. And I, one of my dear friends who suffers, you know, struggles with depression was taking medication. And I just thought, you know, I, maybe I just need to pray harder for you, you uh, know, or yeah. I don't think we need to, I don't think you need to be on it. And it really, I, I remember then one day just listening to the radio, I was listening to Christian radio and listening to Sheila Walsh talk about her own struggles with depression and, um, and how she thanked God for the little pill that mm-hmm. she took every day mm-hmm. because, you know, she was like, you wouldn't tell a diabetic not to take insulin. That's right. And my father's diabetic too. So it yes. just really, and that was years and years and years before any of this came up. But I think about that interview all the time because I think that is a moment when God was like, let's just open this up yes. a little bit here because I think that you might be a little closed off and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to teach you something. And then I sort of am so transformed by it that I want to ha- help other women f- be free from, from the stigma of depression. Cause the thing about depression is that it causes you to isolate mm. and it causes you to feel ashamed of yourself. And the very things that will help you get out of it is to be talking to people yes, about it. The very thing you That's don't want to do. That's what pulls you out of the pit. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. You know that 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 God is going to use that to set a lot of people free, and so that's just exciting. Yeah. That's good work. That's something it's really very good exciting. to put your yeah. to put your hand to. So let me ask you this: just switching gears real quick, um, as we kind of head on head into the end of this delight. I don't want it to be for a hundred years. Um, Let's go back to food for just a second. So I just, I love the food you make. I love the way that you make it. And I love the way that you talk about it. I am just very much drawn to every, all your food sensibilities, both your palate and your um, experiences and your stories, the traditions you create around it. I just, I think my question is something like, can you talk just a for a minute about um, what all this means to you. Like as, as people are now watching you and listening to you and making your food and learning from you and getting mm-hmm. a sense of what cooking and hospitality even looks like, what are you hoping that they'll take away? What What's sort of your, like what's your offering here around all this wonderful work that you do in food? Oh gosh. Um... Well, it kind of goes back to the thing I was saying about how food feels like a very intimate thing Mm. to me. I mean, I I have not found a more poetic way of putting this, but I I think there's something about taking something that, that exists on the outside of our bodies right? Splitting it into sharing it with someone Mm. and then it goes inside our bodies and it touches parts of our bodies that we don't know what it looks like. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, this, I don't know what it is, but yeah. it's something very, very Im- intimate to me mm-hmm. about that. And I think in this day and age where I feel like I was listening to a story about how because we spend so much more time interacting with our quote unquote friends through screens, we actually have less and less friends in real life. Hmm. And um, and I definitely feel like that for multiple reasons. I also have children, so I feel like our world has gotten a bit smaller. Um, I think that breaking bread with people is a way of breaking walls with people. Yeah. And so that is, I've really, and I, so that's why I think that, that cooking and cooking for people or even cooking for yourself is a very sacred thing. 
that whole idea of transforming like mm. an, a, a sort of rough hewn ingredient into something beautiful and something beautiful for you. Th- these are all the things that are running through my brain when I'm thinking about cooking, mm. you know? Ah, I so, love that. I love that. And I love the idea of it connecting generations and connecting across, you know, thousands of miles. Like in my, in my cookbook, um, I wrote about how when I make lentils and rice, which is a very humble meal, um, I know that somewhere around the world, one of my relatives has mm. had lentils and rice right. that day. That's you know, and it's the exact same recipe. And so that is this connection that is huge for me, mm. you know. So um, so it's really a privilege and an honor to be that person that can share that history and then just that, yeah. that sort of um, appreciation of cooking with, you know, the people that follow me um i hate saying that but um because i because i think that we've lost track of that i think mm-hmm. cooking feels like a chore That's and right. i get it if you know we we i feel like our it feels like our burdens are bigger and bigger and bigger like there's just so much more to do every yes. day and cooking is um it's a it's a time to sort of slow down and in in Indian medicine, the chopping of ingredients is part of the medicine. It's not just what you're eating. It's the chopping of it is meditative and it's quiet and it's contemplative and mm-hmm. it's part of it. It heals you. Yes. And so I really that's one thing that I'm trying to get to myself. And then when I get there, I think I can maybe help other people is mm-hmm seeing cooking as a gift, as a gift to you, as a gift to your family, as a gift to your neighbors. Um, That is kind of, that's my thing at Mm. the moment. Uh, You do that. You really do. That comes across um, in everything in your writing and in your shows and um, and just in who you are. I, I could not possibly agree more. I find cooking and food and gathering Mm-hmm. One of the most nourishing things in my life, and I, that's not an exaggeration. Yeah. I, um, I can chart times in my life where I'm 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 low and I am yeah. in a funk and I am off the rails, and when I can get one minute of clear thought and take a good look at my life and try to sort out what's going wrong here, uh, almost inevitably it's a matrix of of factors, but one of them I'm out of the kitchen. And we're just piecemealing yeah. together. I'm just throwing scraps on on plates mm-hmm. and putting in front of people and just trying to, like, get us fed enough so that we don't die. Yeah. And um, and I I realized that that nourishing part of, of cooking and providing and nurturing is missing. And it yeah. really is healing, um, yeah. not just for me as a cook. But for everyone that I'm feeding, I um, I yeah. love I love your food sensibilities. I love your point of view, Thanks. and Thank I just you. love you. I think you're phenomenal. So listen, uh, here I'm going to do one last question, just like down and dirty. So you just got to kind of think <laughs> on your feet and try okay. to figure out. Uh, it'll probably come right to you. So okay. let's just say this: you've got an hour to get ready. Six friends have just called and said we're going to be at your house in one hour. So what's okay. in your pantry? in your fridge, your kitchen, whatever, right now, this minute, mm-hmm. that you would like, okay, this is what I can do. This is what I'm going to make. I got an hour to get it on the table. What's your go-to yeah. thing? Um, okay, it's one of two things. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. So either I would make, um, if it was like 
morning brunchy lunchy time okay. i would make shakshuka which oh, is yes. a middle eastern breakfast dish which is sort of this tomato gravy um that you cook eggs yes. in you sort of let them sort of just gently bubble away in yep. there um it's really it's beautiful and it's a meal that you kind of have to take a hunk of bread and mm. kind of dip into the center dish in order to really enjoy it to its maximum. Mm, it's um, so good. It's, it's not so hard. good. You could put it together so in 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's pretty easy. And um, and it's always a kind of a showstopper. And uh-huh. I love it. Um, and then the other thing, if we were doing dinner, I always have ground beef yeah, in my freezer. Always, always, always. And so uh, there's a dish called Kheema, K-H-E-E-M-A. Okay. Um, you can find it on the Food Network website. That is just, it's ground beef cooked with a few spices and mm-hmm. onions and garlic and a little bit of vinegar. Mm. And um, it is, this, it is whenever my mum would make it when I was little, I was like, it's Kima night. I don't know why. I mean, the thing that you were talking about, like Mm. how um, we don't, um, like I think that any meal can be what you were talking about, this ideal of nourishing and loving and everything, even if you're just making a bowl of granola for your yeah, family. That's right. Because it's it's the attitude with which you pull it together. Like, And that's the thing I'm starting to realize is that um, perfectionism can can sneak in when we try to do this thing of like, I'm really going to put a lot of effort into nourishing my family. Yeah. It does not have to be perfect. It can be PBJs. That's right. But if you are making it and you're like turning the TV off and mm-hmm. you're saying, you guys, we're going to make PBJs for dinner. Come in here and, you know, help me slather the peanut butter on and stuff. Mm. That That's what it's about. It is. You know what I mean? It, it is. It doesn't have to be a perfect meal. No. And everybody around the table at the same time. And yeah. you know what? If you want to make your PB&J fancy, um, yes. you know what we would do down here in the South is we would butter the bread and grill it like a grilled cheese. Because we, we don't even play. We'll, I love it. We will grill a PB&J in butter like it's our paying yeah. job. I love it. And that's totally on the Whole30. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> um, so oh tell everybody real quick as we wrap it up here. Um, yes. What are you working on right now? And what's what's on your plate? Um, what's next well, for you? Where can everybody uh, find you? Right now, let's see. As I mentioned, i got a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Yes. So They're I'm so dreamy. Of- Thank oh, you. your girls are so dreamy. I can't Thanks. with the brown are, eyes and the hair. I it's know, too much. I know, I know. Yeah. They're awesome and awesome. But that you know, it's it's all hands on deck. Totally. My husband's an actor, I'm, so we're all at home all the time. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> so I'm doing that. That's my big project. Yeah, that and is. then I'm a judge on Guys Grocery Games, yeah. and I'm a judge on Cooks versus Cons. Um, so I, I guess I'm I'm super judgmental for a living at the moment, <laughs> and super good at it. And then um, it's fun to be on that side of the table, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so much better. So much better. Um, and now I'm just trying to figure out what's next. We're like getting it. to that point where the girls are going to probably be in school more. And so there's a big chunk of time that we can reclaim. Yep. And so I'm thinking about another cookbook. Yep. I'm think- I've tried doing some Facebook Lives. So we're just trying to figure that all out. Totally. But I'm also trying to have a little bit of grace. Oh, you well, know, amen like to that. I mean, maybe this season is about just doing what you can. Well, let's just and, be honest. You're on you know, two shows. And you're yeah. raising two preschoolers. So I'm going to say yeah. that feels like enough for right now. I'm going to give you a pass <laughs> on adding anything else to that mountain. Um, yeah. So that's amazing. Yeah. Hey, thanks for being on today. 
Oh my God. I honestly, Jen, I'm so honored to be asked to be on here, especially because you're focusing on women with Moxie. And that's really like all I want in life is for when I go for God to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And also for him to say, you tried so hard. Yes. And I was just jumping up and down for you the whole time. Like I get teary thinking about it. (laughs) I just want him to say, I know that you tried really hard and I love you for it. That's it. Isn't that precious? That is, that's goals right there. That's that's what I want. That's totally squad goals. And you are my squad goals. Thank you for letting (laughs) me be on your show. Let's do it again. Yeah. Um, Anytime. Okay, sister. Thanks again for being on. Love ya. Love you. Bye. Isn't she just delightful? Just delightful. I wish she was my neighbor. Thank you, Artie Sequera, for being on the podcast today. You are a treasure. Um, Everything that we talked about, all of Artie's amazing work and her links and her socials, I'll have all those posted over on my website underneath the podcast tab. And you can find her and follow her. And you're going to want to because she's got her babies alone are worth the follow just to look at those little faces. Um, So she is wonderful. I'm also just a reminder over on my Facebook page under the link to this podcast is where you'll find all the cool stuff about the giveaway with Jenny Metcher, as well as the discount code to her Etsy store, which was so incredibly generous. I'll also have that link as well over on the transcript on my website. So um, thanks for joining in you guys. Uh, Guest after guest in this food series are just, just this fun. Just this interesting, and everybody brings a really different point of view. It's not the same interview times five or six. It's really interesting and really interesting people, and they all bring a little bit of something different to the concept of food and hospitality and a shared table. So you're not going to want to miss it. Um, Thank you yet again for joining us. Thank you for your reviews. By the way, don't forget that a review posted over on iTunes enters you to win the giveaway for Jenny. So um, just a little incentive there. And we're always paying attention to those, always listening to what you love and what you're looking for. So you guys have an awesome week and I can't wait to join you next week. Thanks guys. Thanks for joining us today on the For the Love podcast. Tune in next week when we sit down again with Jen and friends to chat about all the things we love.